1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Kyle Schwarber ready to lead off. First ball swinging, and there it goes. An ambush by Schwarber, and it's one to nothing Phillies. 47 homers, a career best for Schwarber in the regular season. Now Harper deep in the right center, and he'll watch this one fly. Second home run of the inning. See what he gives him now, three and two. On the ground, a hot one, backhanded, boom. Throw to second out, stop throw to first. It's in time, and it's a double play, and the game is over. The Phillies win game one. Second and goal. Dobbs to the air, to the end zone. Caught Zach Ertz. Touchdown. His first touchdown since November 6th of last year. Here comes the pitch to low, and a ground ball through the left side. It's a base hit. Garcia tearing around third. He's heading home. Here's the throw by Brantley. It is cut off, and it's 4 nothing Rangers as Nathaniel Lowe delivers his third RBI of the postseason. Great job by Josh Spores, a 1-2-3 seventh. And now Alvarez hits one a mile. Straight away right. That's out of here. A line drive home run. And this is a one-run game. His second home run of the night is sixth of the postseason. The set by Leclerc. And the pitch to Altuve swung on in a high drive well hit left center field. Tavares into the gap, has a play. And he makes the catch in front of the track. And the Rangers have won it 5-4. to four. They've won seven postseason games in a row and grabbed a two games to nothing lead in the American League Championship Series with a pair of wins in Houston. Second and goal. Pressure off the edge. Pollard picks it up. This one for the touchdown, Brandon Cooks. Prescott backpedaling, got it to number three. No sacks at San Francisco either, and here it is. Right on cue, Parsons. His first, the Cowboys' first. Herbert gets rid of it, and he's picked. Intercepted by the Cowboys. The catch is good. First down for the 25. Here it comes. A little bit. They hand it off to Bowers. Edwards got it to Bowers. Bowers got a block from Beck. And a flag comes in. And Bowers is inside the 15-yard line. And he's slow to get up. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the October, The uh, this would be Tuesday, right? October 17th edition of the Sports Zone, not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Diamondbacks, so they win game two tonight at Philadelphia. The Cardinals, should they try to trade Zach Ertz? The Rangers, what's the biggest uh, reason they are up 2-0 against the defending champion Astros? The Cowboys, are they back in the NFC race? Georgia football. 
Does the Brock Bowers injury mean no three-peat? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday in moments of the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, our weekly fantasy football update with probably too much injury talk. Not my fault. There were a lot of injuries on Sunday. John McKechnie from rotowire.com will join us for his weekly appearance. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also a lot of local roundup stuff, or at least some, including some uh, Diamondbacks and Phillies analysis from Game 1. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by the MLB and NFL scoreboard. On to the pipeline we go. It's time for today's... Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question, do the Diamondbacks bounce back tonight and win game two at Philadelphia? And Corey's here and has the early returns. Leading right now is no 80% of the vote. Yes, at 20% on KDUS1060.com. The Diamondbacks most likely will need to use their regular season running game formula because they're probably not going to beat the Phillies in home run derby, which did work against the Brewers and somewhat surprisingly worked against the Dodgers. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, should the Cardinals try to trade Zach Ertz before the August 31st trade deadline? And Corey, what do we have here? Yes, leading 83.3% of the vote. No at 16.7% of the vote. KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Cardinals might have actually answered that question on Sunday. Trey McBride had a season high in snaps, and he ran more routes than Ertz. Ertz might be a hard sell, though, because of his questionable efficiency when when he's been targeted this season, at least. So, And he's 32. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Rangers are now 7-0 and in the postseason. Bruce Bochy may never lose another postseason game, let alone a postseason series. What's the biggest reason that the Rangers lead the defending champion Astros 2-0, heading to Arlington for the next three games if necessary? Meanwhile, the Cowboys bounce back. Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy shine in the fourth quarter. Uh, to beat former offensive coordinator Kellen Moore in a 20-17 victory over the Chargers. Are the Cowboys back in the NFC race after Monday night's victory against, uh, against the, obviously, the Chargers? And, of course, I wouldn't be asking this question if the 49ers and the Eagles had not lost on Sunday. Also today is the uh, last call, for at least in this hour, for anything to do with the football weekend past, whether it be college, pro, fantasy, anything involving what we've watched in the last few days football-wise. Georgia's quest for a three-peat took a big hit. Two-time defending champion Bulldogs might be without uh, tight end Brock Bowers for four to six weeks after ankle surgery. Does no Brock Bowers for four to six weeks possibly mean no national championship this season for Georgia? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. 
If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey Wilbur News Update. That will be followed by our weekly fantasy football update. It is waiver wire day or the next 24 hours or so or waiver wire uh, time, uh, times, however I'm supposed to phrase that. It's, you know, the waiver wire. Uh, but a lot of injuries thrown in. We got six buys this upcoming week also in the NFL. We'll try to cover all that with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Plus, we'll have the local roundup. That'll be topped by a Diamondbacks and Phillies series update. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Week 7 in the NFL, six teams on by. Plus, there are many injuries this week for fantasy football owners to navigate. Out to the KDUS hotline, time for our weekly fantasy football update. We're now joined in sports by John McKechnie of uh, rotowire.com. And, John, before we get to the week 17 dynamics here, let's go back to last night. Cowboys win the game against the Chargers. I think both of these offenses, at least to me, have been disappointing. Oh, boy. Okay, we'll try to hook up with rehook up with John again. And uh, see if uh, we can uh, do that. But uh, to me, uh, just getting back into this a little bit, the Cowboys, the 20-17 to 17 victory last night, they rally in the fourth quarter, made some big plays. Uh, both sides of the ball overcame the special teams gaffe and were able to win that game against the Chargers. And for me, I'm a little, a little disappointed as far as these offenses go from what I thought might be the case at the start of the season or maybe even after the season started the first couple of weeks. So uh, when we hook up with John again, hopefully we can get into that a little bit with uh, Mr. McKechnie. Uh, Also, we have lots of injuries this week, uh, starting with quarterbacks. Of course, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Ryan Tannehill all went down with injuries. John, we got you hooked up again. Our bad, for whatever reason, we've had a phone call issue in this particular segment for a couple of weeks running now. So sorry about that. I think actually we had to reconnect with you last week. So hang in there with us. I appreciate it as always. But let's go back to last night. Uh, to me, you know, the Chargers and the Cowboys, their offenses have been a little disappointing, at least as far as my expectations for the start of the season. Is that the same for you? Absolutely. Um, it feels like both teams are, are a little bit stuck in the mud offensively. I mean, we, we had a really high posted total in this game that went way under that. I mean, just 37 combined points between the two of them. Uh, you know, you got the offensive fireworks early with the 7-7 coming out of the first quarter and then, you know, just kind of drivel for, for the next uh, basically two quarters. And then things picked up, obviously, a little bit 
there in the fourth quarter, but uh, all all in all, uh, not not the most impressive display that, that we've seen on Monday Night Football this year. Uh, Tony Pollard got bottled up, so uh, that's 15 carries for 30 yards for him. Uh, obviously did, did some nice work in the passing game to, to kind of offset that for, for his fantasy managers, but they need to find a way to, to get um, that, that run-blocking scheme a little bit more updated uh, to give him a little bit more room to operate. It was good to see CeeDee Lamb kind of get himself on track uh, for, for his own part going over 100 yards, but um, still the touchdowns aren't really there for him too much. Those who have Brandon Cook uh, got the touchdown, but but still not an overwhelmingly uh, awe-inspiring performance from him. And then, you know, on the, on the uh, Charger side, Austin Eckler gets back, doesn't have really any room to run, average fewer than two yards per carry. Uh, helped out a little bit in the passing game, but but still not not the best uh, return from Eckler after that long layoff. And then Keenan Allen did did well for his own part, but you know any of the the hope in those uh, free agent bids on, on uh, either Joshua Palmer or of course Quentin Johnston not looking great so far in the in the wake of the Mike Williams injury. Okay, as far as position wise, I usually start with running backs. So I'm going to start today with quarterbacks. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, all injured last week. Now, some of those guys don't factor into QB1s, but they may be in two quarterback leagues. Also, Anthony Richardson uh, might be headed for season-ending surgery on his shoulder. Uh, So I'm asking now, like I said, usually this is kind of down on the totem pole, but are there waiver-wire quarterbacks that people can add this week if they need them? Well, but we are going to need them um, because, you know, it's not just the, the uh, top-of-the-line guys like, like Justin Fields uh, getting injured, but, you know, even kind of the, the fringier guys like Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee, of course, on, on a bye this week, which complicates uh, things further potentially for, for those uh, who have him rostered in two quarterback formats. But um, I think the big takeaway right now is that Gardner Minshew, if he was scooped up in, in two quarterback or super flex leagues last week, it, it appears that he'll be someone to at least hang on to and keep rostered through the rest of the season if those reports on Anthony Richardson are accurate and that he is un- going to undergo something that will keep him out uh, for the rest of the season. You figure that that's going to be Minshew's job the rest of the way. That's super valuable when you're talking about uh, those type of formats. Um as far as the potential backups, you know, you you look at uh, Vegas and Chicago, they'll, they'll be playing each other. Uh, Tyson Bajan, uh coming out of Shepherd University, I, I believe. Um, yeah. Father is, is uh, the world or former uh, world arm wrestling champ, and yet Tyson Bajan, uh couldn't hang on to the ball uh, worth much on Sunday. So I thought that was interesting. I don't really have a lot of interest in him. You got to be really, really desperate to, to have this scoop and start him. In any league, two quarterback leagues in, included, um, and I don't think that there's going to be much to see there if Trevor Lawrence is ultimately sidelined with, with C.J. Beathard at quarterback for, for the Jaguars. So, a lot of tough injuries this week on the quarterback front, and then as you let off with six teams on a bye, really uh, creates a, a pretty significant crunch at quarterbacks, especially in in two quarterback formats. John McEachney, RotoWire.com, currently in the Sports Zone. Uh, on to some healthy quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud, uh, has he established himself now as a number one fantasy quarterback and has maybe selling high with Stroud? Is that now out of the question because he's been this good? I wouldn't want to let go of Stroud at this point. I think that he's he's definitely a top ten quarterback for fantasy um, going forward. They'll, they'll be on a bye. 
uh, this week as well. But, um, you know, I I do feel like like Stroud is performing uh, better than even his his biggest optimist coming into the season uh, really could have. Um, You know, threw the first interception this past weekend, but still got the win for the Texans, had a decent day for fantasy purposes. So, um, you know, at, at this stage, uh, the only way that I'm trading Stroud is if I'm really loaded at, at quarterback and there's someone who's really quarterback needy. Um, that That's when I would make that, that consideration, you know, uh, another manager in the league having one of Anthony Richardson, Justin Fields, something like that, that that's going to require a multi-week absence. Um, then I, I would consider uh, moving Stroud, but, but then and only then. Sam Howell, is, is he approaching number one quarterback status in fantasy? Um, he's someone that you need to play the matchups uh, with, with a little bit, but this week going up against the Giants, that definitely qualifies. So I, I think that he kind of floats around as like the QB 14 uh, to 17 on, on any given week. So, but you can you can see the upside potential for, for him being like a, a, a fantasy quarterback one. Uh, didn't, you know, the, it was an odd stat line from him that this past weekend, you know, barely completing 60% of his passes for 151 yards, and yet three of those, end up going for touchdowns. So Washington had a much different game plan than it did against Chicago when, you know, I, I think the circumstances dictated that, that the Washington needed to get away from the run in that Chicago game with, with them going down by so much early on that that opened things up for, for Howell to, to throw it over 50 times. But I think generally they want to keep him in that 25 to 30 attempts range. But you have guys like Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, uh, Logan Thomas, Curtis Samuel, I think, has really uh, shown out and, and exceeded my expectations for him uh, this season. So Howell, I think, it is fringe-worthy of, of a start this week, depending on your quarterback situation against the Giants, and definitely on my radar for DFS. Okay, on to running backs. Christian McCaffrey, David Montgomery, Kyron Williams. Williams was injured, and I think it was his last carry in that game against the Cardinals. Uh, so any running backs on this week's waiver wire catch your attention? So the, the two in San Francisco are going to be interesting because uh, the, there's kind of a game theory uh, going on with, with the bidding uh, as it pertains to either Mason or or Elijah Mitchell because we don't really expect Christian McCaffrey to, to miss that much time. Uh, so really you're, you're spending your free agent budget on what could ultimately be uh, just a one-week uh, rental. But breaking down the, the two of them, I know that Jordan Mason had the touchdown that this past weekend and Mitchell didn't get too much in the way of opportunities, but I do think that Mitchell is the more talented player between the two of them, even if it didn't uh, show in the box score this past weekend. So if I'm, if I'm setting up my waiver priority, I am putting claims on both Jordan Mason and Elijah Mitchell, but Mitchell would be my higher uh, priority waiver claim. And then moving down uh, the coast to, to the Rams in their backfield, um, you know, not just is Kyron Williams going to be sidelined for, for probably at least this week, but Ronnie Rivers is expected to miss additional time. So that, that really does elevate the potential of some of these uh, more depth, you know, kind of off our radar for the most part uh, running backs there for the Rams. But I think Zach Evans definitely catch my attention. I didn't think that he should have fallen all the way to the sixth round uh, mm-hmm. in the draft this past year. Talented guy. Five-star running back coming out of, of high school, uh, played well at TCU and Ole Miss. Both just kind of didn't have or didn't put his best foot forward his last season in college. But I do think that he does have that requisite talent to where, if the Rams are forced to give him a role this week, I think that he is going to have some success with it. So Evans, I, I believe, is, is the running back that I'm targeting 
uh, the most on waivers this week, even more so than the San Francisco guys. But then moving down the list a little bit, uh, Latavius Murray in, in light of the Damian Harris injury on Sunday night, that was pretty scary. I feel like Latavius has run well uh, for the bulk of this season, and, and now it feels like that there's no one really competing with, with him for carries too much as that secondary back behind James Cook and Buffalo, which is valuable because Cook is not a goal line back. Latavius Murray certainly fits that bill. Um, so de- definitely keep an eye on Latavius Murray if, he, if you are running back needy as well. And then with the injury situation in Detroit, um, with David Montgomery likely to miss some time, we, I think we have a pretty good idea of what, uh, what the Lions are, are going to want to do. And it never is uh, what fantasy managers out there want. They, they want Jameer <laughs> Gibbs to be unleashed. And it never really seems to happen. I know we're only a handful of weeks, a month and a half, into Gibbs' NFL career. But at this stage, it does feel like they like to have more of a a hammer-type running back in there on most plays. And that's why Craig Reynolds is also valuable on waiver wires this week. And then uh, a little bit further down, Damian Pierce continues to disappoint as as a seventh-round pick in fantasy. Devin Singletary, um, I think that he's not – spectacular by any means and of course he's on a bye this week but um it it does feel like pierce is losing his grip a little bit with the continued ineffectiveness while singletary has done reasonably well with his opportunities so i think he's someone to to stash as well if you have a spot one more running back question uh it was a standalone game a lot of people especially in the eastern time zone watch this game in the morning derrick henry had some big plays in that game against baltimore should fantasy owners be looking to sell derrick henry now Probably. Um, I think that this Tannehill injury is, is really a big problem. Um, and that, that's crazy to say because I already felt like Tannehill was kind of a limiting factor on, on Henry's overall effectiveness because teams are able to, to kind of crash down a little bit more uh, given Tannehill's uh, level of play of late. And that, then you have the drop-off potentially to Malik Willis. We, we got about a quarter's worth of, of play out of him this past weekend. He looked pretty lost out there in my opinion. Did not look uh, like he was capable of, of running this offense at a particularly high level. Therefore, you just worry about Derrick Henry just facing like the lo- the most loaded of loaded boxes every single week while, while uh, Tannehill is sidelined. So um, if there is anyone that, that is still holding on to some optimism for uh, Derrick Henry, um, I, I, I would be happy to ship him away to them. Talking with John McKechnie of rotowire.com, our weekly fantasy football update. Okay, on to wide receivers. Anybody stands out this week to you in the waiver wire? Um, the aforementioned Curtis Samuel. Um, it, for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like uh, Jahan Dotson and, and Sam Howell have a particularly uh, strong rapport, but Curtis Samuel um, has that nice kind of intermediate role. He still has that requisite athleticism to, to make some plays after the catch. So, you know, we're, we're at two weeks in a row now with, with the touchdown for him. Uh, he, he's corralled what, 10 of his 11 targets over the last two weeks in that span for over 100 yards. So Curtis Samuel is, is actually getting pretty interesting to me, especially with, with uh, Washington not having a great ground game, likely to be trailing a bunch over these next few weeks. So I feel like there, there should be targets aplenty um, for Curtis Samuel. Uh, Rasheed Rice out there in Kansas City is someone who, um, you know, he's a rookie out of SMU. And with the, the sort of issues that, that the – uh, Chiefs seem to be having with with uh, their receivers not named Travis Kelsey. Um, it feels like Rice is, is a worthwhile pickup if he is still available on your waiver wires. And 
little bit of a deeper one, lower uh, in terms of the ceiling. But Nelson Aguilar does have a role in this Baltimore offense. It, it should be a pretty uh, back-and-forth game between uh, the Ravens and the Lions this coming weekend. He is running ahead of Rashad Bateman, playing a little bit more even than Odell Beckham. So, obviously, Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews take up a lot of oxygen in, in that target distribution. But at the same time, Aguilar has sneakily done pretty well with the targets he's gotten over the last few weeks as well. Adam Thielen, uh, kind of you know, resurfacing here. Is that just because he's the only decent receiver on the Carolina offense? I mean, that might be, but the 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 stats are still the stats. Like, if you drafted Adam Thielen, you are over the moon with, with what he's given you as like a twelfth or thirteenth uh, round round option. He's been, you know, nothing short of of you know, excellent to 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 have. Uh, through through this stage of the season, I mean, we're talking about a guy that that's fringe top ten in wide receiver production and fantasy points uh, through the first six weeks of the season. Um, barring any any trades for, uh, for the Panthers, uh, I know that was kind of getting milled around the the other week. The idea of them uh, being in the market for a true uh, wide receiver one to pair up with, with Bryce Young, barring that actually happening, which I am skeptical. That it actually will. There, there just always seems to be drummed up drama for, for the NFL trade line that ultimately is never really all that exciting. So I think Thielen, as long as he stays healthy, that role is about as secure as it gets. And he's, you know, he's caught 50 out of his 60 targets, just about four touchdowns wow. already. Keeps clicking. Uh, so yeah, I've, Thielen's value right now, even if he kind of comes back to earth the rest of the season, he's already done way more than, than uh, I think his drafters would have expected. We spent a lot of time talking about Falcons players the last couple of years. Drake London uh, was good the other, on Sunday. He would have been even better if Desmond Ritter would have started not throwing the ball to the opposition a bunch of times in the in the second half of that game. What do we think of London at this point? So, uh, you know, it, it, it comes and goes with, with which version of Desmond Ritter we, we get on, on a given week because uh, London has performed really well over these last couple of weeks, and one of those games was Ritter's uh, probably his best game as professional to, to this point against Houston, uh, certainly less so this past week against Washington, but still was good enough for him to uh, notch his first 100-yard game of the season. Going up against Tampa Bay and Tennessee these next two weeks, I think those are two gettable pass defenses. They're both on the road, though, and I know that Desmond Ritter does have some fairly extreme uh home road splits but but even still i think that london kind of slots in as a high-end wide receiver three um with potential to give you like mid-range wide receiver two production on a given week okay on the tight ends as usual i don't have an abundance of stuff here so anybody available that we should uh try to scoop up i was very impressed by michael Mayer this past weekend I, i had him as the clear tight end one in this class over Dalton Kincaid and, and probably more important as the season has gone on over uh, Sam Laporte. I was very high on Michael Mayer and, and what he was able to do at Notre Dame. And I was frustrated with, with his role um, early on in the season. You know, they, they jettisoned Foster Moreau the, this off season. And it's like, why isn't Mayer uh, getting more targets? And, you know, the, you have Devonte Adams and, and Jacoby Myers, of course, but there, there's still uh, plenty of room for a tight end to, to make something work in this offense and, and Mayer finally kind of delivered on that this past week, um, securing five of his six targets for 75 yards. I think more of the same is coming and you get matchups against Chicago, Detroit,
Detroit and the Giants coming up over these next three weeks in a landscape where, where tight end production is finicky and it's hard to find on a consistent basis. I think Mayer definitely has the goods and, and certainly should be picked up um, in spots. Me personally, um, like uh, I was big on Chigo Conquo coming into the season. I think there's going to be a lot of leagues this week where I'm dropping him and picking up Michael Mayer. The week, week six buys we talked about, you got Carolina, Cincinnati, Dallas, Houston, Jets, Tennessee. You got some good, some bad there as far as the fantasy world goes. Between that and the injuries, how do you try to negotiate and you know work around these buys, or how do you? What is there like a strategy you have for this? Um, I think you you need to be you need to keep your eye on the long term prize uh, unless you're you're kind of at that that tough crossroads um, where you're like three and three and two and four unsure if you, uh, what your playoff uh, or probability is looking like, but. Uh, don't be too crazy on the waiver wire this week as far as dropping guys who are, you know, kind of on your borderline or, or have been on your bench for a while. Um, don't drop them just because they have a buy. Make sure that you have a reason to drop them beyond them just not being available to you um, this week because it, obviously it, it is tough with, you know, if you have a Bengals-heavy roster, um, anything like that, you know, it's going to be tough to navigate this week. But just try to find those cheaper streamers. Um, you know, if you play in a league with, with the free agent budgets, um, maybe uh, askew from or go ahead and askew uh, from like the, the more high high ticketed uh, waiver wire targets that, this week, like your Zach Evans or your Jordan Masons of the world. And, and maybe go for those those kind of secondary options down the line again, like your Latavius Murray's um, or your Nelson Aguilar's and, and just hope that you can get a, a one week of, of something solid and startable out of them, but but uh, nothing too much beyond that. Latavius Murray, he never goes away. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, okay, Judd, let everybody know how to get a hold of your stuff and where they can listen to you other than this wonderful segment every week. Do love this segment. So, of course, it, uh, be sure to listen to this one every Tuesday morning in the, in the uh, Arizona region. But beyond that, um, you can catch me uh, over on the Rotowire uh, NFL podcast, uh, network. I, I do the uh, fantasy football preview show with, with Mario Puig. That that's every Thursday. You can find that on our YouTube channel, Rotowire, um, over on YouTube. Uh, you can also find it anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And I also do an NFL betting podcast with, with uh, Nick Whalen on Thursdays as well. Uh, so we do, we live stream that on YouTube and our social channels too. So all of our video content and our podcast content is live streamed and then of course archived wherever you listen to podcasts or, or if you watch on YouTube. So check us out there. All right, John, great stuff. We appreciate it. Thanks much. Absolutely. Thanks again, guys. Uh, our pleasure. All right, next segment will be phone call time, general discussion. If you want to get in, 602-260-1060. We'll get to some local roundup, a little Diamondbacks and Phillies game one analysis. I don't think there's a lot of analysis involved, quite frankly, in that game yesterday. Sometimes in postseason games, there's a little more to it. Last night, I think it was pretty straightforward, but we'll get to a couple of things uh, from that game from last night and then a little bit into the night's game, game two. I think it's once again, as I mentioned during the introduction of the, with the pipeline, uh, I think the Diamondbacks need to get back to this run game. You know, they had Corbin Carroll on first base, for instance, to lead off the game last night, and he never got off of first base. Um, they got it. They're not going to be able to win home run derby. Uh, I don't. Th I don't think they will. 
against the Phillies like they did in the first two rounds. So we'll see what uh, if there's a change of strategy. You gotta get guys on base too. But they had Carroll on first with nobody out, and he never got off of first base at that time. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to get in. You've got to really hustle up though, 602 260 1060 if you want to get in right now. All right, today's local roundup the Diamondbacks could not overcome Zach Gallon's bad start in game one last night against the Phillies. Gallon allowed three homers of the first seven hitters. Leadoff hitter Kyle Schwarber, number three hitter Bryce Harper, and number seven hitter Nick Castellanos. And the Diamondbacks could not overcome a 5-0 deficit. Gallon was not good enough, quite frankly, in a playoff game. Five innings, five runs on eight hits. Two walks, did strike out eight. And throw all those things together, he threw 81 pitches just to get 15 outs in the game. The Diamondbacks' bullpen of Kyle Nelson, Miguel Castro, and Luis Frias once again did its job. Uh, zero runs and in three innings for that group. Meanwhile, bullpen effectiveness, uh, you know, they gave, that gave the bullpen effectiveness, I should say, gave them a chance to rally. The Diamondbacks had the tying run at the plate in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings that fell short, including with the game ending double play off the bat of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. The Diamondbacks, for the first time, lost for the first time in this postseason. Remember, they had won five in a row to start the, the postseason with the uh, two games against the Brewers and the three-game sweep of the Dodgers. The Arizona last night, just four hits. They'll certainly need a lot more from their studs or the top guys in the lineup. Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte each had one hit. Uh, Christian Walker and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. were hitless and did not reach base. Gurriel ended up uh, grounded into the game-ending double play last night. Uh, the Jack, Zach Wheeler, on the other hand, the other Zach, uh, he was uh, you know, kind of playoff Zach, what he's been the last two years, two runs, six innings on three hits, no walks, had eight strikeouts. In fact, at one point, uh, he had retired 15 consecutive Diamondbacks after the leadoff single to Corbin Carroll to start the game. Up next today, uh, it is Merrill Kelly, uh, who is you know one and zero in the postseason. Had that good start in Los Angeles. Helps when you get a six-run lead before you ever take the mound. Uh, but he'll be on the mound Tuesday night in Game Two. And Aaron Nola, Darren Nola, goes for the Phillies. Uh, he's been tremendous uh, much of the last two postseasons. This year and two starts in the postseason, he has a 1.12 earned run average for the Phillies, and they have won both of his starts. Uh, by the way, Nola eligible for free agency after the year. It's something we talked about with Bob Nightingale uh, yesterday, and also that I assume is going to be a topic throughout the playoffs when Nola pitches, however long that might be. Meanwhile, a couple other quick things in the uh, national round. Excuse me, the local roundup here, national roundup in the next segment. Uh, the Cardinals. Uh, I think they should actually try to z- uh, deal Zach Ertz before the October 31st deadline. One of our poll questions today. I don't know how much interest there's going to be based on this season. He has 24 catches on 39 targets for 168 yards at seven yards per catch, which isn't all that bad for a tight end. But I just don't know how they're going to you know, try to market him if they're going to try to trade him. Uh, you know, certainly the Diamondbacks, you know, Trey McBride had his largest snap share of his uh, of the season. And I didn't look for last year, maybe his career. 
and he ran more routes, McBride did on Sunday at Los Angeles than Ertz did. Uh, Ertz also under contract for one more season, but that should not really scare off any possible suitors. I don't, at least there's some kind of cap thing that I'm not aware of. It uh, wouldn't seem to be that difficult if they wanted to, a team wanted to trade for him that uh, they would have that. Uh, it's not an albatross contract for next year, at least as far as I can tell. And sometimes I don't exactly read these salary cap things properly, uh, but hopefully uh, I read that one properly. So we'll see what happens. It might be difficult to deal him uh, because I don't think there's much of a market for a 32-year-old tight end out there. So we'll see if that happens. The Diamondbacks, you would excuse me, the Cardinals <laughs> would expect to, you would expect they're going to make a few trades here at some point. Meanwhile, the uh, the Sun Devils back in action this week. Tough matchup. <laughs> they're at Washington. Now, Washington, you would think, is in a letdown situation after their big comeback win against Oregon. However, you might remember, or maybe you don't remember, ASU upset Washington 45 to 38 last season in Tempe. Uh, also, it looks like the uh, Sun Devils might be getting a little more healthy, especially in the offensive line. Kenny Dillingham met the media yesterday. Of course, uh, ASU had a bye last week, so we'll see what happens. Uh, he really didn't declare anybody playing for sure, uh, but thought that uh, some guys might be coming back that had uh, missed some time earlier in the season. Remember when we last saw ASU, they were without four offensive linemen because of injury. And uh, it's not like they had a great group to begin with, quite frankly. Also, that's led to no runner, no run, excuse me, not one individual run this year longer than 17 yards uh, for ASU. We mentioned that a couple weeks ago. That hasn't changed. Dillingham did not say on Monday whether a freshman quarterback, Jaden Rashada, who was the original starting quarterback this season, uh, talked that he might redshirt. Uh, Dillingham was noncommittal on whether that would actually happen or not. He also did emphasize that short yardage offense and uh, long passing down defense, they got burned by a couple of uh, third and longs in that Colorado game. He said that those two things must improve. One other quick thing, uh, down south, the four and three Wildcats have this week off. The Wildcats were not ranked, uh, but they did get 13 votes in this week's uh, coaches poll. They didn't get any votes in the writer's poll, the AP poll. All right, coming up next, we will conclude today's spectacular one-hour radio extravaganza. That'll be after Corey's update, and uh, we'll have the national roundup. That will include some from the scoreboard from last night. We'll get into a little bit from the uh, or from yesterday afternoon and last night. We'll get into a little of the Astros and the Rangers in as much time as I can uh, get into, however much time I have left. We'll get to some Cowboys and Chargers from last night. And we'll wrap up today's uh, Sports Zone right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. segment of today's sports zone and as always we thank you for listening special thanks to the callers emailers tweeters texters whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks also our guest today our weekly fantasy football update with john mckechnie from rotowire.com 
Sound of the day courtesy of TBS, Fox, KRLAD, KRLD, I'll get that right, and uh, Dallas, Arlington, the Metroplex, uh, the uh, Rangers flagship, ESPN, and also CBS. As always, thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And, uh, and uh, we'll go, can return tomorrow, but more on that in a moment. Uh, first up, NFL scoreboard last night. Uh, certainly, uh, it's, it's, let's actually start with Major League Baseball. I'll get to the NFL in a minute. Situational hitting, I think, is the biggest reason the Rangers won the first two games of the series at Houston. Uh, in uh, Game 2, Texas scored four runs in the top of that first inning against the struggling Astros left-hander, Framber Valdez, who didn't get out of the third inning. He allowed four, five runs on seven hits. The Astros in their hand at the plate, zero for six in the game with runners in scoring position. They are now two for 18 in runners in, with runners in scoring position the first two games of this series. And not surprisingly, with those numbers, they're down zero, two. Uh, Jonah Heim homered. Nathan Ivaldi uh, pitched six effective innings, and uh, Texas beat Valdez and the Astros five to four. They hung on after they had the uh, you know, big lead early in that game. The Rangers now 7-0 and in the playoffs, including six wins on the road. Of course, they swept the Rays in the first series, the Orioles in the division series, and now they've got the 2-0 lead in the ALCS after the first two games. Meanwhile, Ivaldi, nine strikeouts, including two in a row after Houston loaded the bases with nobody out in the fifth inning. Yeah, he was charged with three runs and five hits. His third postseason win in three, ten, uh, three attempts and three starts this uh, offseason. He's been really good. The Rangers, the fifth team in MLB history, and the first since the Astros last season uh, that won their first seven postseason games. Uh, so they're on a roll. And uh, the, you know, the Diamondbacks were on a roll till last night. The Rangers are still on one. Uh, the next three games are in Arlington. So we'll see if they can close it out in the best of five series. Meanwhile, the Astros, bad at home again. We talked about this a lot of the second half of the season. They went 39-42 and 42 during the regular season, and they're 1-3 at home in the playoffs this season. Max Scherzer expected to be the starter for Texas tomorrow in Game 3. He's been out with, uh, since September the 12th because of a muscle strain in his shoulder. Uh, we'll see how far he's able to go. Uh, Christian Javier is scheduled to start for Houston. He threw five scoreless innings and danced around all kinds of trouble in Game 3 of the Division Series and the win against the Twins. Uh, by the way, the Astros have never lost the first two games in a playoff series ever, 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 and won that series. Meanwhile, NFL scoreboard, the Cowboys rallied to win on the road against the Chargers last night. Dak Prescott made some big-time throws. Mike McCarthy play-calling in the fourth quarter was very good. They overcame penalties and really an awful fourth-quarter special teams turnover. They win at the Los Angeles against the Chargers 20-17. to Prescott uh, coming back from that game last week. He ended up throwing for 272 yards. That loss against San Francisco and one touchdown. And uh, the, uh, the Cowboys are now 10-1 and one in, uh, after you know, a loss. Uh, yeah, that's since the start of the 2021 season. So a lot of people are down on Mike McCarthy for pretty much everything in the world. But uh, when the Cowboys lose, they're 10-1 and one the following game. Uh, at least if it's a game that season. Obviously, they've had some disappointing playoff losses, but uh, that's the deal there. 
Uh, Prescott's, by the way, the 30th NFL quarterback in history to throw at least one or uh, one touchdown pass. Uh, and uh, you, know, you know, I don't even know what. The, I'm not sure what this actually says. My bad on that. It seemingly, seemingly, I kind of disjointed the sentence, and uh, my bad, real, real bad on that. So I'll get back to you on that. Maybe by Friday when we get into the Friday spread. Uh, the Cowboys end up winning the game. Kellen Moore ends up losing the game. They fired Kellen Moore at the end of last year. Now at the Chargers, remember, uh, he uh, we talked about this yesterday. He uh, basically rep- apparently told some of his players that he wanted to score 100 points against Dallas. Well, they had 16 and they lost the game. Cowboys have this week off before their uh, return to play on uh, October 29th against the Rams. Chargers now go to Kansas City. Uh, This hasn't gone too well. The Chiefs swept that series last year. They won the last three meetings. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. We will return tomorrow for three hours of the morning broadcasting, local morning broadcasting, starting with the Sports Zone from 9 to 10. And then, of course, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.